All righty then. So um, I was going to mention Craig Smith, but we've already talked about it. But for those of you in the home audience, uh, local pastor, Calvary, or Calvary, Vail Bible Church. Well, it's not Bible, Vail, no Bible. Um, he was following his family home from a trip to Lake Powell the other day. And his three daughters were in the car in front of him with two of their friends and got in a nasty accident. And one of his daughters died instantly. And one is uh, airlifted to two hospitals and the other is uh, mysteriously fine. And he came upon the accident. So just keep Craig Smith and his wife, whose name I don't remember. Lene, Craig and Lene Smith. Yeah, that's a bummer. I can't think of anything much worse than to, it would be hard enough to lose your daughter, but to come upon that, that would be bad. And uh, the Florida condo that went down and now another building in Washington, D.C. collapsed, but it was under construction and it was a wood building and it was during a rainstorm. And But one of the interesting things about the Florida building is uh, John McAfee, if you know anything about John McAfee, he um, is an interesting cat. You know, McAfee, you know, the guy that kept your computers safe for decades. Um, <clears throat> he's run for president a couple times and he's always in trouble. And he's, you know, what I would consider a good guy. Uh, he was, he's been arrested and extradited all over the world. And uh, he was in Barcelona, Spain, and he'd already predicted that they were going to kill him. And they did. So he, he died, but on June 19th, he set out a, a, uh, Instagram or an email or something saying, if anything happens to him in Barcelona, they killed him and they need to go to, and they, he gave an address in Florida because he has 31 terabytes of information that could incriminate everybody in the government. And of course, McAfee software kept the government's computers safe for decades. So if anybody knows everything, it's him. Oddly, that address was that building in Florida that collapsed. And that was June 19th. That was two weeks before the. So he didn't give the apartment number. Just saying. Um, and you hear all these people, you know, now spouting about getting the action Jackson. <clears throat> and it's pretty much the same. 62% of all new COVID cases are. Uh, from people who have been received two of the Action Jacksons. Uh, and apparently they say about 50% of the population has been Jacksonated, and I suspect it's more like 35%. So if you consider 62% of the new cases belong to them, you know, do the math. I suspect in six to 18 months it'll be, um, you know, people will be dying left and right. So we probably won't have to have to worry about the next election electing Democrats because there won't be any is my guess. Um, one of the major manufacturers of one of the Action Jacksons has, you know, they all have a control group of people that didn't get it, that they're keeping an eye on and all that stuff. And they've decided they were going to go ahead and Jacksonate all those people, which screwed up all, you know, that now there's no control group. So there's no way that anybody can say it's more or less than the general population. And they did that because we just, we, we had a moral right to keep those people safe. So, you know, and the continuing line about possible harm is, well, people die every day. So I still believe it's a, you know, bioweapon used by our government and most governments against their own people. 
So just again, you know, not to not to be John McAfee, but uh, don't trust any government, especially ours. Um, you know, this whole process of uh, weaponizing the the flu started in earnest under uh, Barack Obama drone bomber and continued under uh, MAGA boy. And now with Sleepy and his Ho Chi Minh masters, it's, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, so anyway, you know, it's, I mean, it didn't just start with a drone bomber. It started obviously 150 years before that. And then if you want to take it back far enough, it started in the garden. So it's not. So anyway, uh, if you recall the last few weeks, we've been, or I've been trying to identify maybe where the Garden of Eden was. And in my mind, it's easier for me to put a face to the name, you know, if there's something I can see. And this idea of Shechem uh, allows me and perhaps other people to, to sort of see pictures, you know, playing out in my own mind. Um, I see, you know, the, the Garden of Eden had the two trees and I, if, if any of what I said was, was right, one of the trees was on Mount Ebal, barren, and one of the trees was on uh, Mount Gerizim, which is set apart. And I can see in my mind the Lord down with uh, Adam and Chava explaining everything, doing this, everything in the garden is yours to eat. It's yours for food. Except the tree right up there. Don't eat of that one. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, uh, you know, I can see Adam, you know, nodding and saying, oh, that's, that's right. We won't, we won't transgress your law. Just like, uh, just like the people always do. You know, when Moshe went to him and explained all the laws of the Torah, and they said, we will hear and do all of these things. And it was like, you know, about eight seconds before they were off of that. Um, but it's the same thing I think 21st century Christians say, you know, we, we, we all agree, or if you ask any Christian of any denomination or anybody who's even ever known a Christian, you know, do they, do they hold to the commandments? They would say, yes, of course. You know, I haven't murdered anybody in the last week or two. I haven't committed adultery recently. Um, you know, duh, when in actuality we don't, we don't keep to many of them. We couldn't, you know, we couldn't, most people couldn't even keep six of the 10, let alone all of the commandments. Um, but at least if you're a Roman Catholic, uh, you can go to confession and get, get it all wiped away. Um, you know, most Christians I know don't, I mean, they, they, you know, they seem to believe, A, they could never keep all of the commandments. So there's some recognition that there are more than just the 10. And then they live like they're free to do whatever they want. And it'll all somehow be okay. And everything will work out at the end. And, I, you know, and there's nothing in between. There needs to be at least some uh, acknowledgement of possible sin and, and, and uh, repentance but I don't see it. Right. Some kind, Yeah. Yeah. That's it. 
Well, that's the thing that with Catholics, you know, they can go to the confessional booth, right? Well, that I was, you know, I was jesting. That doesn't that doesn't do any good. Right, because you're telling it to the to the Pope in the other room. Yeah, none of that stuff makes sense. And it's interesting. That's not today's sermon, but it it will be one probably soon. That most Christians seem to believe you can't keep all the commandments. So a that's an acknowledgement there are more than ten. And B, that's not true because there are, uh, you know, the Bible is, is replete. The New Testament is replete with uh, Paul saying all kinds of things that you can live that way. You know, and everyone has been maybe at a weekend conference or maybe through some tragedy or something. Everybody has spent time when they did keep the commandments. I mean, they didn't do any, you know, and if you could do it for four hours, could you do it for 24 hours? Could you do it for two weeks? Could you do it for a year? You know, and that's what Paul and all the guys, that's not tonight, but you know, that's the message that they were sending is you, you can, it's not impossible. And there's, there's a couple of verses like that. Well, who's going to go up to heaven and get these that we may hear them and do them? Or who's going to go across the sea that we may hear them and do them? And, and his response is, they're not in heaven. They're not across the sea. They're easy. They're in front of you. It's easy to do. So that'll be another day. Um, so back to the garden. We've got, in my mind, this, you know, I don't know if this is true or not. It's probably not true. In fact, I would say it's definitely not true. But in my mind, I can see God, you know, doing this and saying, all of this is for you, except for that. Don't do that. And them going, oh, yeah, 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 okay, okay, okay. And it's clear that uh, Adam seemed to instruct Chava, Chava, Eve, about the tree. Because when she's at the tree with the angel of light, um, she's arguing with him that God said we can't eat that. Well, God didn't tell her. He told Adam. So Adam was supposed to tell her, which he clearly did. And whether he didn't uh, explain it, there's no explanation for why he's at her side during all this stuff. But uh, one of the things I think about is they only knew good they, and God. They had never known anything else. So did, did they really even understand what, you know, what, what that all meant? And that may be way too simplistic, but, um, you know, in my mind, it's kind of, how would they even know? Because all they'd known is good in God. And the one thing he said is, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So a couple of things, um, the tree was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Well, they're mixed. And all through scripture, he tells you, you cannot mix. He says, I cannot mix. I will have to make one like the other. That's, I mean, that goes from here, I would suggest, all the way through the end of the book of Revelation. He cannot mix. He has to take the two sticks and bring them together as one. He has, it's always that way. He cannot bring good with evil and light with dark. He can only bring the one thing. So right off the bat, 
You've got a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's, it's mixing. You know, the Bible tells us we're not supposed to uh, mix our worship with pagans. We're not supposed to intermarry with unbelievers or outside our tribe. We're not supposed to mix eating and drinking uh, clean and unclean, holy and profane. We're not supposed to mix, you know, new wine and old wine and new wineskins and old wineskins and cotton and linen. And it's, it's constant. And some of it is, is just practical, obvious information. If you have an old wine skin and you sew on a new piece of leather, they obviously shrink and swell at different rates. You're going to rip the whole wine skin. If you mixed up uh, linen and wool for the same thing, they shrink and swell at different rates. Uh, so you're going to rip the fabric. You know, some of those things are practical, but most of these things are uh, spiritual. You know, it says, do not intermarry. And of course, you've got a whole cadre of so-called Christians who say, oh, that means Christians can't marry blacks. Well, no, that's not what it says. You know, it says you can't marry someone who doesn't believe. Now, if they happen to be black and they don't believe, then yeah, you shouldn't marry them. But if they are white or, you know, I mean, it's never a racial thing or anything else. It's if you follow the Lord, then marry and be with people who follow the Lord. And in, in uh, John 17, the, the real Lord's prayer, when he says, when he's actually praying and he says uh, for us, his people, we are to remain in the world, but not of the world. We're not to mix with the world. And that uh, goes all through scripture. So, you know, that would be, before you even got into the lessons about the tree and 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 uh, Adam and Eve and the garden and all that stuff, to me that would have to be one of the very first things that you would see or that a Hebrew would see anyway, is that you, it's it's mixed. Good and evil is mixed. You can't do that. That is bad from the get go. Um. <clears throat> so all of these things about not you know, uh, marrying outside of your tribe, not marrying non-believers, you know, down to don't mix cotton and linen or uh, wool and linen and new leather and old leather and all that stuff. There's just a practical uh, reason for some of it. Most of it is, is the lesson. You know, you can't mix Yahuwah with anybody else. You can't you can't take some of this and some of that and, you know, a little bit of Confucius and a little bit of Buddhism and, you know, a little communism around the edges and mix it all up and come up with some religion that's acceptable because none of it is acceptable. <clears throat> so their entire lives were spent, in a sense, getting that message. It's it's Yahuwah and him alone, the God of Abraham, Yitzhak and, and Yaakov by himself. You cannot mix. So uh, you get a lot of people, well, I do anyway, I assume you probably do too, um, that will tell you these are typically, this is the thing, and I don't want to offend anybody, but typically the people who say this are the enemies of the God of Israel. And they will tell you that the Torah is all bondage and death, that following the law is 
is bondage. It's death and you can't be a Christian. And uh, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I, I guess I come at it from a different, I've never been more free because I'm, I'm not constrained by the things they are constrained. Their lives wrap around all these, you can'ts and you won'ts and you shouldn'ts and this is bad. And, and I'm utterly free, completely free. Cause I, I know the truth. I s- yeah. Right. Yeah. Most people look at it like they're going to give something up. Yeah, exactly. And the freedom comes in the truth. And that, that's what Yeshua said is the truth will set you free. And it will. It's the absolute opposite of bondage and death. And most people just don't get that, I think. They, and I, I sort of understand that a lot of people are more comfortable working within a framework, right? Having people tell you, you've got to wear this and you've got to do that. You know, and if you've ever been to a Catholic church, they have kneelers, right? On the, you know, so you put the kneeler down because you're up and down 50 times. There's a whole series of, you know, you have to do this and you have to do that. And, and somehow that's not bondage, but the freedom in the Torah is, I, I, I don't get it. Yeah, well, that's exactly the in the in in the Old Testament in the Tanakh. That's the entire one hundred percent purpose of the priests, is to help the people determine what's holy and what's profane. Stay away from the profane. Focus on the holy. It's pretty simple, and then you truly are free. But it's it's I don't know. People don't get it. It seems like they will. Um, they they want i guess we all have this want we want to trust or believe someone or something and um i was at a job oh, we should probably cut this out uh, i was at a job the other day and they had it was a rental unit and the guests had left and i was fixing some stuff and the new guests were coming in and the people who owned the house obviously subscribed to people magazine so there were several people magazines and they ripped, you know, the corner off that had their name and address, like the guests wouldn't know where they were. But anyway, the one on the top, um, the image of the person on the front of it was so offensive to me. I thought, I'm just going to go throw this magazine away because I don't want, certainly I don't want to have that person looking at me while I'm working. And I don't think anybody even needs to see this. It's all just, you know, and this person is not, awesome. Uh, So I picked up the magazine and I was going to throw it away on my way out to my truck. And it said, um, there was a a section of, you know, in within the magazine that said why I'm getting jacksonated. And so I opened it up and it was six celebrities and their stories, like anybody cares of why they were getting the action jackscene, you know, and you could see most of them were totally self-serving like, well, I'm starting a, you know, some, some country Western star that I've never heard of. I'm starting a, a, a nine month thing at Harris in Reno. And I just wanted to be, you know, so obviously he's just promoting himself. 
And most of them had similar stories. And the one, there was one larger picture than the others. Some young blonde, 35 maybe-ish year old, probably siliconized, you know, something that again, I've never heard of, but apparently she's somebody. And her quote was, I'm doing it for public health and because I believe in science. And I'm thinking, okay, now look, the truth is more people are getting it and dying of it as a result of receiving it. And people are actually dying from just receiving it. So where's the science? Where's the, you know, and they all had all this crap and it was all, you know, okay. So I, yeah, exactly. That was pretty good. So I picked it up and I was, you know, going to take it with me as I'm on the way to my truck. I was going to throw in garbage. And then there was a whole stack of them. And the next one had some other ridiculous figure on the cover. And it had in the same spot why I'm getting jacksonated. And so I lifted it up. And the next one is somebody else why I'm getting jacksonated. So apparently it's been an ongoing thing for I don't know how long. Every one of these. People magazine. Who, who? It's so weird. The name of the magazine is People, but the only people in it are not people. They're these fake celebrities and you know, B grade wannabes. And and I get it. I'm not hip. I, just because I don't know the names of any of these people. Okay, that's you know not. Somebody must know. But if it's if it's called People, why why aren't they interviewing people? Real people and find out why they are or are not. Why are there no, why I'm not getting jacksonated? Only why I am getting jacksonated. And obviously if they didn't put their ugly mug in, you know, these are, these are people I could say I've never heard of that probably need the publicity. But I mean, it's just like the whole world is, it's all full of lies. It's just basically drivel, you know, that, so I'm comparing that with the words in scripture and the words of Yahuwah and the things that Yeshua said. And, you know, I seem, I feel free because I know the truth. And I look at these people and they are in such bondage to lies. They're not in, you know, it'd be different to be bondage in the truth. But I mean, everything that every one of these people talked about is a lie. I know it's a lie. Do they not know? Are they really that confused? Or are they just going along with the lie to get their mug on, you know, on this magazine that 12 year olds read or, you know, I, I, I don't know, but it just, it just seems sick really. And, you know, I, and I was driving home and, or not home, but to the next job. And there's the action Jackson bus at Avon elementary school. So you can just go in and get your Action Jackson. And of course, there's nobody there. Apparently school's out for summer. I didn't realize it because I was incensed for two days that they would bring that to an elementary school until my wife reminded me it was summer and the kids aren't in school. But that's apparently where they parked the bus. And if you wanted to get, you know, you could, you could do it. <clears throat> so <clears throat> anyway, I guess, but I mean, this is just shocking to me that there are so many people that are so stupid. They just believe, you know, if, if, if you walked across a stage once, 
you're a celebrity and you can be believed. It doesn't matter that you're a moron and you can't put two senses together. Well, I guess, you know, the president and the vice president can't put two senses together. So maybe that's how you get a hit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No. Influencing who? Well, and, and, you know, and I've been starting to think that maybe this whole Jackson thing is a good thing because the people that are going to die are the people that are so stupid they're influenced by a basketball player who can't put two sentences together in English. So maybe it's a good thing. I don't know. Yeah, I get it, but that doesn't, it, that, that's what I mean. They're just stupid. They get their information, their medical information from butt face and urine tube. And uh, I mean, it's just, it's, read the book. It's full of truth. And if you read it and believe it, your life will be fabulous. So, you know, lest you think I'm just making that up, um, there's a, <laughs> this is just how God works. Um, I believe that the Hebrew language was invented before time began. And uh, so if you look at the word truth, it looks like this. It looks a lot like this. Okay. Truth is the word Amos, and it's from Amman. It's spelled A-M-T, and you see the Hebrew. All right. It's Aleph, Mem, Tav. And I remember Hebrew reads right to left. The word for death is there. It's Maveth from Muth. It's M-T. So it appears that Muth, I mean that uh, truth and death are the same basic word. If you drop the Aleph from truth, you get death. Well, what's the olive? You know, the olive is the ox. It's strength and power and might. And when I looked up uh, Amoth, it is translated in English to about 40 different words, but they're words like strength, power, might, um, all of those sort of things. So you take the strength and power and might out of truth, and what you're left with is death, which I thought was interesting. Makes a nice little lesson in Hebrew. Um, the Hebrew word for strength, because the Aleph means strength, strength, power, might, it's all the same word, um, is koach. It's, uh, it's the kof and the chet, the ch. So the kof is the tent wall. And if you remember, you know, from the millions of times we've talked about it, the tent wall is the thing that divides the good from the bad, the inside from the outside. Everything in the house is good. Everything out of the house is bad. The tent wall is that barrier. And then the open hand um, is the chet. So you've got a uh, wall hand or strong hand, right? So that's what strength means. It's that, it's that strong hand that the, that the Lord is providing. So you remove that from truth and you're only left with death. So I thought, well, I'm going to look and see you know, because there, there have to be verses that talk about uh, the word is strength and truth and might and all that stuff. 
So I started looking up a few. And as you can imagine, there are probably 80,000 of them. So I just randomly picked a few. Shemoth 15.2. Yahweh is my strength in song, and he has become my salvation. He is my Elohim. Uh, Sirach, uh, where the word of a king is, there is power. Telahim 59.16. But I will sing of thy power. Yea, I will sing aloud thy mercy. And in the mornings, for thou hast been my defense and my refuge in the day of my trouble. First uh, Thessalonians one five for our gospel came not into you in word only, but also in power. Lucas four thirty two, and they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And Telaim one nineteen twenty eight, my soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to your word. You know, and we could do this all day long, and maybe we should, because it's interesting to read all those verses. But that's the truth of the word: is this strength and this power and its might and for those who believe the word, who read the word, who trust it, who think it's true and who try to live by it, that's, that's the strength. That's the power. And for those that don't, it's death. And you, you look at the comparison between the people who um, read every day and, and believe and trust in the Bible, and they're so much happier and they're so much freer than these people who believe and trust in the things of the celebrities in the world. And, uh, you know, those things are lies. And it's, it, it can't be more obvious than this last year and a half or so. The things that, they, I mean, everything they tell you is a lie. So, so somebody sent me, oh, Damon, if he's on, sent me something today. It was a picture or something. And it was something like... Um, they used to call me a conspiracy theorist, but now after the last year and a half, they call me a prophet. <laughs> it's classic, but it's true. It's exactly true. If you trust in the things of the Lord, you're absolutely free and you know stuff that these people will never know. And the entire world is lined up against it, saying things that are nothing but lies. And uh, so if you look at this the other way, the people who follow after the wisdom of the world I mean, from, you know, from the Tanakh on I'm to today, but even back then, those people who follow after the wisdom of the world, I mean, it's tragedy. It always ends up in tragedy, death and destruction and sickness and, you know, mental disease. And I mean, it's just endless. And then the people who follow after the Lord, um, you know, sometimes their lives do, it costs them their lives, but they don't, it's not the same tragedy and stupidity and just chasing your tails and foolishness. And I, I don't know that it's ever been more obvious than it is over the last year and a half. There's those people who follow after the things of the world, chasing their tails, and I believe going to chase their tails right into doom and, and death. And then there's the people who follow the word of the Lord, and we're not chained to that. You know, so the freedom really is uh, in the truth. So, okay, so back to the story. Um, we had Adam and Kava in the garden. And <clears throat> he said, not that tree. So, of course, like all children, they went right to that tree and took of the fruit. Kava ate of the fruit and said how wonderful it was. And it apparently made her smart and she lost her Shekinah glow. 
and gave to Adam and he ate. Um, and I don't know that it was an actual piece of fruit. <laughs> I mean, it might've been, but I, if it was, let me put it this way, if it was an actual fruit and if there is such a tree and if you ate of it today, I suspect you would not um, fall into this same thing. This was a spiritual uh, issue and they were transgressing the word of the Lord. And we, we can get into the same bind without needing the fruit tree. Because if we transgress, I mean, he only had one law. There was only one rule for these guys. What a great landlord had one rule. Everything is free. Help yourself. Just stay away from that. And of course, they couldn't do it. Um, so if you remember the the Torah is translated into English as the word law. And it doesn't really mean law as we think about it. It's, it's from the word yara, which means to throw a finger in the direction you should walk or live, according to the ancient Hebrew lexicon of the Bible, page 142, entry 227. It means instruction, not law. So <clears throat> there's the word Torah, translated as law from the word yara, translated as to flow or throw, you know, it's a river flowing, or it's throwing a, a, a rock or an arrow or something like that. Um, you know, the words of Yahuwah are meant to keep us safe and show us the way to walk and live. And it's his desire that we should all live this way. And we should, uh, we should receive an eternity with him, right? That's the whole point is he's instructing us on how we should live, where we should go to stay on the path that will get us to an eternity with him, which is the ultimate freedom. But the ultimate bondage is to be on a different path that leads you, um, leads you to hell, leads you away from him. So your entire eternity will be spent separated from the things of God and the people of God. And that is the ultimate bondage. But you have to understand, and I'm sure we all understand it, that not following the law results in bad things happening to you, but it's not so much a punishment from God. It's just he's telling you up front, if you do these things, this is what's going to happen to you. So here's a clue. Don't do them. You know, like Moshe said, I'm setting in front of you this day, uh, life and death. And then he... <laughs> All, it's almost comical. He adds, choose life. Like you had to, you know, you had, somebody had to tell you that. And you read this several times in scripture that I'm putting before you this day, life and death. Choose life. You know, hello, McFly. Choose life. It's pretty simple. But we don't. We have a choice every day. I mean, a lot of times a day, many times a day to choose to walk in the ways of the Lord or not. And, you know, s some people, like I suspect us and the vast listening audience, um, probably try to walk that way as much as possible every day. And then there are probably a majority of the people that maybe think they are but they don't really give any interest in learning the rules or what he said or 
and they're just comfortable not knowing, thinking they're good. And my, you know, my dad is an example. He always tells me, I'm good with the man upstairs. He doesn't even know his name. He doesn't have any idea what, what he asks or his commandments are or his instructions are. He laid out instructions to get to the path, to stay on the path, to get to that place where you spend an eternity with me in my house, where we can go back to the garden or to my house and we can live for all eternity in the greatest possible place you could ever imagine. So let's just stick to the instructions. So most of the people, you know, and I've seen the man on the street interviews, it's like 82% of the people think they're going to heaven. But when asked why they think that, basically it boils down to, well, I'm better than that guy. <laughs> well, that's got nothing to do with it. And then there's a group of people that are just adamantly opposed to all that he says. And so I'm, you know, contemplating, well, how does that even happen? I mean, it's so obvious that we should be following after the things of the Lord, right? He's given us these instructions and these things that he's given us the truth. Why wouldn't you want the truth? Because apparently everybody in the magazine wants the truth, but they're being fed just garbage. And everybody who's watching TV wants the truth, but they're just being fed garbage. And these people are embracing the garbage as the truth. And I, how does that, I mean, how does it even happen? So I, I thought of Noah's sons, you know, and you look at Shem, and Shem did follow after the things of the Lord. And Shem's children, for the most part, did. And that's where we still have all of the people who follow after. Now, many of them have gone off, you know, but they're still very interested in following the Lord. It's just, the, it's the wrong guy. And then you have Japheth, which, you know, and Japheth's cool guy. I mean, discovered everything and, you know, traveled the world and did all this cool stuff. And he was, you know, he was okay living in the tents of Shem. He didn't have a problem with the truth of the Lord and all that stuff. He wasn't, you know, wasn't overboard about following at all. <laughs> he was probably like most of us, you know, or most, most people in America anyway. They think they're, you know, they think they're good and maybe they are. I don't know. It's not mine to decide. But they're not really, that's not the focus of their life. The, the sons of Japheth were the ones who sailed the seas and discovered countries and built things. And, you know, they were, um, they were the go-getters. And it's not to say they were or weren't uh, Christian or following. They, they did, for the most part. They knew of and, you know, they knew him as El Shaddai. They didn't know him as Yahweh. And then you've got the sons of Ham or Canaan. And they were adamantly against the things of the Lord. So three sons from one family. So it's, you know, it's interesting. So here we are in the garden and um, there's something that happens that results in the birth of uh, Cain and Havel, Cain and Abel. And there, I kind of lean towards this. I think the serpent, serpent um, who wasn't a serpent at the time, he was an angel of light. Um, distracted the woman to the extent where there was uh, some event of a sexual nature that occurred and that the one son, Cain, is the direct son of the serpent seed. And, the, you know, the account, there's, there's hints of that in the 66 books. There's more hints of it in the 80 books. 
And then there are extra biblical books that just flat out say that's what happened. Did it? I don't know. I mean, I kind of lean in that direction. It makes sense to me, but I don't know. It didn't. If it did or didn't, it doesn't really matter because the point is the same. You have these two sons, Cain and Abel, Cain and Havel, and one followed after the things of the Lord and one did not. And you have to ask yourself, how is that possible? Same mom, same family. And so it's easy to believe the story of the serpent seed because you have one son that's just so adamantly against the things of the Lord. He almost has to be from a different father. How else would you explain it? And the scriptures talk about the seed of, the, of you know, of Satan and the seed of Cain. And, and they, they're not talking about it necessarily in a physical sense, although it may be, but they're talking about it in a spiritual sense. You know, some people just seem to have that seed and I, it, it's hard, it's hard to explain. So you, you think about, or I was thinking about uh, Cain and Havel, and then you've got Ishmael and Yitzhak, and then you've got uh, Yaakov and uh, Asav. Same thing, right? You've got, in, 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 in most cases, twins. It's not in, in the middle one. Um, how does it happen? Same parents, same house, same instruction, and one gets it and one doesn't. One follows and one doesn't. And more than one doesn't, one is just adamantly against it. So I don't know. So that leads you back to the serpent seed. So what do they mean by the serpent seed? And again, it's, it's uh, much easier to think that it's a physical seed that caused this child to be broken or to not recognize the truth or to not fall after the Lord or something. And that would sort of get us off the hook because that's a physical thing, you know, just like tall or short or fat or black or white or whatever. It's a physical deal and you really can't do a lot about it. But I think there's more than that. Um, let me read from Bereshit chapter 4. It says, And Adam knew Chava, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain. And she said, I've gotten a man from Yahuwah. And she bare again his brother Haval. And Haval was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now, notice that it said she conceived once, but bore twice. And from that verse, the rabbis and, you know, other people think that these two sons were twins. And it's not impossible to have twin children born of two different fathers if there was, you know, uh, well, I don't have to paint that picture for you. So it could be that there were two fathers. It could be that they were one, but it seems as though they were twins. And you get to uh, Yaakov and Esau, and they were clearly twins, and they were clearly twins of the same father and the mother. And when you look at uh, Ishmael and uh, Yitzhak, they had different mothers but the same father. So I think part of this is uh, genetic, and part of this is just the heart of the kid. 
because in all three cases, Yahuwah spoke about the condition of the children before they were ever born. He knew, well, not so much in Cain, but uh, he knew what the heart of the child was. And in the case of uh, Esau, he says, Esau, I've hated. And Yaakov, I've loved. And how does that happen? Did, did, he, did he put that heart in those children? I doubt it. That's not the character of God. Did, uh, did I mean, clearly he would know how they would grow up, so it's not a surprise. But one of the other interesting things is you think of Cain, and it says he was a tiller of the ground. He was a man of the field. And you think of Esau, and he was a hunter. He was a man of the field. And you think of uh, Ishmael, and he was a hunter. He was a man of the field. He, he, he was, a, it was an archer. His main thing was uh, shooting and killing things. And you look at uh, Abel, and you look at Yaakov, and you look at Isaac, and they were uh, basically farmers. They were shepherds. They were herders. And I don't know. I mean, I, yes. Yeah, maybe. And that may be passed down to the elders, you know, because we know people who have children today, like that. Right. Which is off the rails, and two of the sweetest girls you ever met. Yeah, it's impossible to know. Yeah, it's, there's, but there's clearly something, yeah. Yeah. Because, like you said, different parents, same parents, or same dad, different mothers. I mean, yeah. But the same thing continues to happen. Right. And it seems as though the Lord has gone to a great extent to lay out all the possible scenarios. And you can see that no matter what the scenario is, one's good, one's bad. Right. Right. Really? Yeah, they're not the same. <laughs> really? Even though they're all from, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, there, there. I'm sure there's something to that. There's a genetic component and there's a heart component. Really? Yeah. Well, and, and one of the interesting things, you know, as it pertains to color, is we each have 16 genes for color. And if you've got, and I don't know that this is true, if you have number one, say the far left, you're as white as white can be, you're an albino. And if you have number 16, and, you know, again, I don't know, the one on the far right, say, you're as black as tar, everything about you is black. And so almost everyone is in, in between somewhere but you occasionally have two white parents produce a black child or two black parents produce a white child because they all have the same genes. And it just depends on how the genes fall.
has the black features, except for the last one, he's got blonde hair and blue eyes. Well, and we, we know a girl that used to sing with, well, met her and was one of Jordan's friends. She married a black guy and they just had twins. One's black and one's white. You know, I mean, it's, it's impossible to say. Oh, yeah, they're totally different colors. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know, but I'm... I, it seems as though there is some sort of genetic component to this, but it's also that you can, you know, your heart can override the genes, but more often, uh, well, I shouldn't say more often, certainly in many cases, the genes override the heart, but we know from scripture, a lot of people that are genetically bad, they were born as sons of Edom that came to know the Lord. And, you know, at the end, we'll see there's one sixth of the 12 tribes of Edom are with Israel because they have come to know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? So there's there's both components and people who say it's one way or the other, I, 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 don't, I don't think that's right. I think both play a part. So, okay, I, I know we're maybe a little behind, shocking. Uh, Barashit chapter four, and we're actually reading most of the first part of chapter four. You just haven't noticed yet. Uh, starting in verse three, it says, In the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought fruit of the ground and offering unto Yahuwah. And Havel also brought of the firstlings of his flock of the fat thereof. And Yahuwah had respect unto Havel and to his offering, but unto Cain and his offering, he had not respect. And Canaan was very wroth and his countenance fell. Okay, so the first thing that you're not going to notice here, because it's in Hebrew, and unless you read it in Hebrew, you would never notice this. Um, this verse starts in the process of time. And that phrase you'll see in scripture often. And it's three Hebrew words. Mim kates yom. And mim is always the word that means out of or from or something like that. Kate means the end and yom, you know, means days. So this is out of the end of days. So this verse starts by telling you in the process of time or at the end of days, it came to pass that Cain brought fruit of the ground as an offering unto Yahuwah. Well, that's weird. And Havel also brought fruitling, uh, fir the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. It says also brought. So it implies that he brought, uh, let me just back up this again. If you were reading this in Hebrew, it would say brought the fruit of the ground and offering. So it says minka, brought a minka. Well, when you read scripture, there are, uh, let me just scroll down here and see. Maybe I won't. There are, I don't know how many offerings. There are blood offerings. There are grain offerings. There are drink offerings. There are sin offerings. There are uh, wave offerings. There are uh, drink offerings. Well, all of these have a different name. So we read it in English as uh, an offering. That's not helpful. So in, in, ch in chapter 4, verse 3, it says he brought a minka 
which is a grain offering. Well, that makes sense because Cain was a tiller of the ground, right? The first offering, you know, the, it's the fruit of his hand because that's what he does is he grows vegetables and corn and, you know, and all that. And apparently I had a picture again that I never use. What was the picture? Oh, no, no, never mind. That was Cain and, okay, that wasn't the picture I thought. That was Cain's uh, killing Abel, if you didn't figure that out. Okay, so it says he he he, uh, he brought a, a minka offering. He brought a grain offering. And it says Havel also brought, so you can read that as he, though he brought a minka offering and he brought the offering of the firstlings, firstlings of his flock. And he had respect unto that offering because he brought with him an offering of blood. And that's a different uh different word uh, and I had it here somewhere but I'm a little off the path here um, so why did the Lord have respect for Cain's offering and not for Havel, or uh, he had respect for Havel's offering and not for Canaan and I would suspect, or, you know, I mean, I know it to be true because his offering included a blood offering. It included uh, the th it included the recognition that he knew what was going to happen, that from the very beginning. And how did he know? Well, he could only know because his father told him. And if his father told him, and if they were twins, you have to assume that he told the other one as well. And the other one disregarded that and brought only the, the offering of, of his hands, of the things that he made. And that offering was rejected. And I just, I, I wonder if, if you look at uh, the magnificent churches that are built, you know, offerings to the Lord, right? But they're man's, they're from, from man's hands. And you take that even down to every Sunday at church, they write, you know, a $25 check and put it in the collection plate. That's from their hands. They, they, they did that. They, you know, they built that. They made that. They made that money. And I wonder how many offerings are given with, I'm going to say with a blood offering, but obviously, you know, you're not going to, kill a lamb and put half of it in the offering basket. But with that understanding, with that heart of why you're even giving that offering, the heart of why you're even building that building, you know, do you see the sacrifice? Because uh, Havel saw it, Adam saw it, and Cain apparently didn't. And I, you, know, you have to assume that Cain knew the same story that Abel did but he chose to ignore it. And he did things on his own. He made the offering from the fruit of his hand instead of making that offering with the understanding that there was something much bigger involved. And that's, uh, you know, that's the blood offering. I wonder about all these TV pastors seeking money and 
You know, when people send them millions of dollars, Crefalo Dollar needs 65 million bucks to buy a new jet because he won't be able to reach the people of Africa without this $65 million Gulf Stream. You know, he can't just go on a $20 million citation. It's got to be a $65 million Gulf Stream. Man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a scam. Yeah. Well, yeah, the Jews are good at making money. Yeah, I know. It's it's a weird deal. Um, but yeah, so you have to wonder. I mean, it. It, from the very beginning, the very first offering you read in scripture, it lays that case out. You know, do not mix is the first thing. And then when you make an offering, make it with the understanding of the sacrifice that uh, who has made for you by sacrificing his son. It's a blood sacrifice. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to, um, you know, you have to slay the fatted calf. Because that's we could we don't you know we don't we, what am I supposed to do go to go to city market and buy a you know porterhouse and put in the basket I mean that doesn't make sense you do it with the understanding of what happened that it's not that you're you're not the most important thing that he's the most important thing you're going to offer these things to him out of what he's given you you're going to give some of it back but you still have to do it with the the understanding of what all went on I mean what that there's going to be a blood sacrifice made and it's going to be for you and you have to respect that. And Cain didn't. He trusted in the things of his hands, you know, and most of us, I suspect most of the time, and it, you know, it makes perfect sense. If you make X amount of dollars, you're going to give X percentage of that. And that's fine, but understand why you're doing it. And it don't think that, um, you know, for me personally, it's been kind of an interesting 22 years or something. Cause when I got here, I didn't have a job and it was okay because they owed me six months vacation and sick pay. And so I had six months that they were paying me my full salary to get a job. So I wasn't worried. And, um, 22 years later, <laughs> I still really don't have a job. I just, the phone rings and I say, yeah, I can do that. And I go do it just like you, you know, I've never, and I recognize every single day that cause often I won't have anything scheduled the next day <laughs> and the phone rings. And I mean, this has happened for 22 years and it's, it's awesome because I don't have to believe that I'm doing it because I know I'm not doing it. There are times like right now when I'm so busy, it's just stupid. And you kind of can easily think that, you know, it's because I'm so good or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's not. It's because the Lord has brought work. So it's really his deal in the first place. So it's, it's easier for me to recognize, I think, to recognize the hand of God every day than it is to somebody who goes to work, 
you know, punches a clock, gets paid, does whatever they do, you know, because there's a, there's an instant exchange. I work this many hours, I get this many dollars. And it's not that way for me. And God has been unbelievably generous with me. I mean, to the, you know, to the extent that years and years, what, 10, 15, I don't know, 20, I don't know how many, maybe. Years ago, I stopped working one day so I could do a Bible study. <laughs> well, it's never affected my income, you know, and it's just stupid. But I think most people don't have that opportunity to see the hand of God working in their lives every single day, like Dan and I do. Um, so they trust in themselves. I, I did this, I did that, I made this, I made that. No, you didn't. <laughs> Not to quote, you know, Barack Drone Bomber. Um, you didn't make that. God's doing it. Okay. So uh, let's see. Don't trust in your pastor's friends, political parties, you know, blah, blah, blah. Don't, tr don't even trust in your own wisdom or abilities because it's really got nothing to do with you. Just remember that everything you have and everything you are is because that's what he wanted you to have and that's who you, he wanted you to be. And if you are being the person he wanted you to be, uh, you're following after his his, his lot for your life, you know, which is a good thing. Okay. So let's uh, try to get through some of this. Bereshit chapter four, verses six and seven. And Yahuwah said unto Cain, why art thou wroth? Why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shall you not be accepted? And if you do not, sin lieth at the door. And thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Which is more or less what it says. Except, again, if you're not reading this in Hebrew, um, it says, if you doest well, shall you not be accepted? Okay, that's fair, right? Do the right thing, you'll be accepted. If not, it says, sin lieth at the door. And I've heard, I can't tell you how many sermons on that. You know, it's right outside. If you don't do it right, if you don't tithe, if you don't work in the nursery, it's right outside your door. Sin lieth at the door. Well, actually, that word is katoth, katoth. Um, and that's the word for a blood offering or a sin offering. So if you read this a different way, he's saying, look, you know, you know what's right. You know how to do it. You know how to be accepted. There is a sin offering sitting right outside your door. All you have to do is bring it to me. And he didn't do it. He wouldn't do it. He was too proud to do it or whatever. He didn't care enough to do it. So, you, you know, you learn later what, what happens to him. But remember how this whole started, this whole thing started in the latter days. This is what you're going to see at the end of time. All of these things that are happening to Cain uh, and Havel. Cain uh, rejects the sin offering. And the account continues that he murders his brother. And it's as though he murdered his brother and said, there's your blood offering. It's like, oh my gosh. Is that really what happened? He said, what, am I your brother's keeper? But I mean, when you think about God said, give me a blood offering and he rejects, if this is true, if it reads this way, and he rejects the one that the Lord put at his door and instead killed his brother there's your blood offering. I mean, that's sick. And I think um, when you're considering 
this in light of what it says that these are what's going to happen in the latter days. Think about that. If the and think about what you're seeing. If the people of the world, and again, this all goes back to the beginning, you know, is it genetic or is it hard? I suggest it's both. You know, there's maybe parts of each. If if the world if, if at the end of time, these people that don't have the heart, that do have the, the bad gene, decide that they're going, that this is what's going to happen, that they're going to kill the ones that have the heart and have the good gene. They're going to kill the ones who are willing to make the offering to the Lord. They're going to kill the guys who know the truth and who are following the truth because that is just bad for them. They can't do it. Well, what if that's how it's going to play out? Because it says in the latter days, this is what you're going to see. What did you see? You saw guys making offerings from the offerings of their hands, what they've done, how great I am. And I was reading through all of these testimonies, take the action, Jack scene, and this is why. Well, you're an idiot. These things that you say are meaningless. And yet the world's gobbling it up. It's taking all this pompous drivel and accepting it as truth. And it's, it's leaving the truth. On the side, we don't want to go to church. We don't want to learn that stuff. We don't need to know about your ear. God's racist and bigoted, and it's just bondage and death. Well, that's absolutely the opposite, but that's exactly what you see going on today. And I suspect it's going to get much worse. Um, so let me go back to one more thing. Bereshit chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. And Yahuwah, Yahuwah Elohim said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all the cattle, above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shall, you shall go. Dust shalt thou eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between me, thee and the woman and thy seed and her seed which goes back to the whole seed thing. And it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. So he's saying the woman will squish his head, put him out of his misery. They will, you know, the, the good seed, the seed of the woman will eventually win this battle. So do you know any sinner, any criminal, anybody who give, was once given his punishment just slithered off and said, oh, okay, that's right. What can I do? They always fight against it. They always come up with a plan. They always, so I wouldn't think that the serpent is any different. If he's told that the good seed is going to bruise his head and her heel is going to be bruised, smashing his head, then what's he going to do? He's going to try to twist that around. He's going to say, that's not right. I can, I can, I can change this. I'm going to do this a different way. So what do you see? Bereshit chapter 4, verse 8. And Cain talked with, his, uh, with Havel, his brother, and it came to pass that when they were in the field, Cain rose up against Havel, his brother, and slew him. And the rabbis all say he killed him with a rock. He, he squished his head with a rock. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, there were, there were a limited number of options back in those days. I suspect it's true. And that was the picture that I showed you in the beginning was, you know, the depiction of, of Cain killing his brother with a rock. But think about what just happened. There was this sin in the garden. There was this possible bad seed. And it talks about the good seed, the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. Um, you've got the two twin brothers. One's good, one's bad. And the bad twin brother kills the good twin brother presumably with a rock by crushing his skull, which is, to me, it's, it's the opposite picture of what the Lord said was going to happen. So it's the enemy trying to reverse 
what God said was going to happen. And of course he can't. But that will bring us um, to where we're going to go next week. And if you wanted some homework, Bereshit chapter 25 and uh, John chapter 6, starting around verse 55 or 60. And you're going to see this, this theme of the enemy trying to crush the head of the good seed. He's going to try to reverse this whole thing. And when you, when you see the whole picture all laid out, it makes a ton more sense that that's exactly what's going on. And, you know, in the end, it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. But that doesn't mean that he's not going to be causing a bunch of trouble. And if this is what we're going to see at the latter days, I can expect to see those people gaining power and actually killing these people. And can you imagine the hell that's going to break loose if all of a sudden all these action jacksonated people start dying and they start realizing they've been duped? I mean, you want to see hell break loose and who's who are they going to chase after? Not the people that convinced them to take the stupid thing, not the people that actually killed them. It'll be us, the people who didn't take it. It'll be the people of God, the people who know the truth, because that's what the Bible said in Bereshit chapter three and four was going to happen at the end of days. So anyway, that's where we are. Hopefully you'll be with us next week and we'll get into Bereshit 25 and John 6.